Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. We're uh, continuing in our series on the book of Romans. And I'll be reading verses 1 through 12, beginning with verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before He was circumcised. Father, we come to your word today expectantly. We pray, Father, that you would meet our expectation and go beyond that. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to the wonder of the truth of this word, that we would be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit for our good and for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week in chapter 3, we looked at the shuns of Romans chapter 3. We talked about justification, redemption, propitiation. Remember, so justification is a declaration of righteousness. You're declared righteous before God. That's our deep need. That's what we've seen all of these weeks leading up to this. No one is righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've got a big problem, and that is judgment. We are liable to the judgment of God unless we are righteous. We need a a declaration of righteousness, and that can happen if we obey the law perfectly. But there's that problem. We don't, and we're sinful. And we've seen that in stark uh, relief over the past several weeks. But last week, the good news that we have justification, a declaration of righteousness, on what basis? On the, on the basis of redemption. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We are bought by his sacrifice on the cross from the, uh, the clutches of sin and the wages of sin, of death and hell itself, by propitiation. That big word that we never use anymore. But what it means is the wrath of God removed from us that we justly deserve and instead placed on Jesus Christ who takes 
the justice, in God's justice, what we deserve. The righteous one, the perfect one, receives our punishment, and we receive, in God's sight, his declaration of righteousness. So, now, what we have today in in chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, is the Apostle Paul is, is again, speaking to these theoretical Jewish audience, and that Jewish audience... Uh, maybe they need a little bit more convincing. And so the Apostle Paul says, well, let's just take an example from uh, the Old Testament. Let's take the forefather of forefathers, the big guy, Abraham himself, the originator, as it were, of uh, the, the faith of the Jews. Now, he didn't originate it. God came to Abraham. God took the initiative and made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants. And so that bears a lot of weight. That bears a lot of weight to the Jews and should to us as well. What we find out was God's way of dealing with us uh, that the Apostle Paul speaks of is not some novel approach, but something that goes back to the very beginning of God's dealing with people. Now, maybe it was the fact that they needed more convincing, or maybe it was they said, okay, Paul, you've convinced me. I'm not very good. But there are, aren't there some good people? You know, maybe there's somebody righteous, the, the, the best of the best. Could they be declared righteous in your sight? How about you? Is there anybody kind of in your book that might, you might think of? They're, they're really good. You know, we used to think of Mother Teresa. You know, that would be kind of held out on one side would be Mother Teresa. And on the other side was Hitler, Right. And yet, Mother Teresa's are few and far between, and Hitler's are few and far between. You know, Hitler deserves to go to hell. Mother Teresa deserves to go to heaven. Everybody else is kind of, I don't know. Uh, But that's not how it's described here in Scripture. We're all liable to the judgment of God, and none of us is righteous. No, not one. So he brings up the case of Abraham, what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. The people at the time of Christ, the Jews at the time of Christ, esteemed Abraham with the highest respect. Here's what some of the teachers, some of the writings at the time of Christ were regarding Abraham. This is from, uh, this is from the Mishnah, uh, written about the time of the early church. It says, We find that Abraham had performed the whole law before it was given, completely faultless. The Jubilees that were written about 100 B.C., Abraham was perfect in all his deeds with the Lord. Well, was he? Apostle Paul says, no, no, not by works of the law. He was not justified by works of the law. We go back to Romans 3, 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now, let's stop here and do a little definition of what kind of law we are speaking of. Because if you do a little bit of reading online, you'll find that there are people in our day and age, that would say something like, well, yes, uh, you know, Abraham 
was, uh, was not justified by keeping the ceremonial aspects of the law in the Old Testament, things like circumcision and the dietary laws. But yes, he did contribute to uh, his uh, moral righteousness. And so the question is, how does the Apostle Paul speak of works of the law? Well, if you go back to chapter 2, verse 15, uh, we read this. The Apostle Paul speaks about the law written on our hearts, right? What kind of law is written on our hearts? They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. He's speaking of the reality that God has written on all of our hearts, whether you have the Bible in your hands or not, something of what is right and wrong. People all over the world know that it's wrong to kill. People all over the world know that it's wrong to steal. So these are, sort, these are the sort of things, the sort of laws that are being referred to here, moral laws, not ceremonial laws. What uh, are ceremonial laws written on our hearts? Does everybody around the world know that they're to keep kosher laws or the importance of circumcision in the Old Testament uh, view of ceremonial uh, legislation? And the answer is, of course, no. Now, why do I go into that detail? Because part of it is it shows that we have a penchant as human beings to want to justify ourselves, to want to boast in something and just something in anything that we can contribute to this righteous declaration that God gives to us. We want to be declared righteous. What we find out from our text today is the best aren't justified. They're not counted righteous by their works, but they are by their faith. Was he justified by works? That is Abraham? No. Are the best of the best justified by works? No. So we are confident in Christ. We don't have self-confidence before God. We have confidence before God in Jesus Christ. We're counted as righteous in God's sight through the instrument of faith. Now, I use that terminology, instrument of faith. It's a theological term, and it's meant to say this, that faith itself is, is not a work. Faith itself is not anything that merits uh, a righteous judgment from God because of something we do. The, the Jews of Paul's day would have been very glad to admit that, yes, Abraham, in part, was counted as righteous, on the basis of his faith. That was something that he did to earn uh, God's righteous judgment. In fact, what we're going to learn is absolutely not. It's nothing more than the instrument of faith. Now, by way of illustration, let's say that there is a, a, a poor man, a beggar, uh, sitting on the side of the road on the sidewalk, and, and someone comes up to that beggar and says to him, I have a cashier's check made out uh, in your name for $100,000, and he reaches down and he hands it to him, and the beggar takes the check and uh, pulls it to himself. The instrument of receiving the $100,000 is his hand grasping onto the check and bringing it to him. Now, we wouldn't say of that beggar, you know, you have received a, a great gift from others, but, you know, much to be con commended on your part. You did such a wonderful job in reaching out and grabbing a hold of that check. You earned part of 
what that check offers to you. No, absolutely not. Ludicrous. It's simply the instrument by which the beggar receives this great gift. And that's how it works here. Faith is simply a trust in the person of Jesus Christ that he has redeemed us through his blood, that he has uh, affected propitiation, the wrath of God, turned from us and placed on Christ. All of those benefits are received by faith in Jesus Christ. And then we're counted as righteous on the basis of that faith in Christ's righteousness. Verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That word counted in this text is very important. It occurs in verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, 11. The same word. If we look at uh, Greek dictionaries of biblical words, it says of this word, translated in our text today, counted, metaphorically to pass to one's account, to impute. Another dictionary says to place to one's account, to credit. And so here's the principle that the Apostle Paul is going to lay out. There's a contrast here, verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. We get that. You earn something. uh, You get what's owed you, credited to your account. I think we even maybe understand this a little better in our day and age than they did back then. We have something called direct deposit. Our church does direct deposit now. The staff gets paid by direct deposit. If at the right time of the month we look at our account and we see there's money that's come in, we don't say, what a wonderful gift. We say, I put in the time, staff put in the time, we earned it. If it's not there, we go, what's the deal? It's owed to me as a deposit because of the work that I've done, right? In a similar way, this week, um, we, got a, we got a bill from uh, our internet service provider. We decided to cut, uh, and TV provided, we decided to cut the cord. Uh, and so the fine people of Comcast sent us our final invoice. And um, Susan said, I've got good news and bad news about the invoice. The, the bad news is that um, they are charging us for uh, terminating our contract 10 days early. And uh, then the good news is, though, that because we haven't used the services for those 10 days, that they've actually credited our account. And so the, the sum total is that we've got a little bit of credit uh, in our account. Now, Comcast loves me, this I know, for my invoice tells me so. I mean, is that, is that what's going on there? They just love, love us so much that they're, they're giving us a credit. No, absolutely not. There are our services rendered, and we pay for those services, and we have an agreement, an exchange. It's, it's they get what is due to them, and we get, get what is due to us. But this is not how it works in the economy of God. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, verse 3. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. It's not on the basis of works, of earning it. Verse 5, those that do not work. Now, what's the contrast here between those that work and do not work? Is it saying basically if you're a hard worker, you really try to earn it, you're out of luck. But if you're lazy, 
then you receive this righteous record before God. No, there's a contrast between works and faith. Between relying on the work of another, Jesus Christ, and relying on your own works. If you rely on your own works, there's no credit to your account. If you rely on what Jesus has done, then you receive it. And you receive it by faith alone. It couldn't be more clear in verse 5 that God justifies the ungodly. God doesn't say, well, I'm going to take you and I'm going to clean you up a little bit. And you're going to kind of earn a little bit of this righteous record before me. Uh, some, of, some of me, some of you, it all kind of works, all kinds of works together. No. When we were ungodly, we were justified at that point on the basis of our trust in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid our debt. He put an infinite amount of credit of righteousness to our account. We're going to learn more about that when we get to chapter 5. He justified the ungodly. So there's nothing to boast about. Confidence only in Christ. No self-confidence before God. You know, you might have some things to boast in. You might have the, the, the yard of the month in your neighborhood. You might be a very hard-working businessman or businesswoman. Uh, you might be a, a, a child that has, you know, done very well in school. But not when it comes to God's righteousness. None of us can boast before God. Our righteousness is counted apart from works. We see this here in verse 6. Paul begins to turn from one forefather to another forefather, another respected individual in the Old Testament, and that is King David. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So it is completely separated from anything that we do. Somebody came to our church. This was before the hurricane hit when uh, we had our, our offices and our buildings on 7th. And uh, they came up and they said, I'm, I'm, we're, we need some help. I need some monetary help. And they said, you know. I'd like to just do some work in the yard here and, and, and do something during it. I realize I can't, I can't earn all of it, but I'd like to contribute a little bit, at least by the work that I'm doing. That's not how it works with God. There's nothing that we offer in terms of righteousness. There's nothing we can do. It's simply receiving the gift by faith, and that is credited to our account before God. So what's the upshot of this? Relax. Relax. You, you have reason for confidence before God. Christ confidence, not self-confidence. Understand it's all been done. That the, the wrath of God, the, the harshness that you might expect from God is, is completely gone. And that God does nothing but show you the, the smile of his face. Uh, because he loves you in Jesus Christ He's done everything to reconcile you to, Jesus, to himself through Jesus Christ and given you a completely righteous record. Secondly, another good thing to, another good takeaway is that in our treatment of others, uh, we don't have to be harsh. 
I'm not saying that we wink at sin or that we take injustice lightly, but that we as recipients of the righteous record of God and know what that means to to be the beneficiaries of that undeserved and unearned, I want that for others. We want that for those that are sinners, that most especially need, all of us need it, but those that we might be angry about, those that we might be um, threatened, that might be tempted to be harsh with, uh, that we can take them to Jesus Ask the Lord to work through us, work through others, that they might know what it means to have their sins washed away and be righteous in God's sight. Have that compassion for others who need Christ. See, we're counted as not guilty by faith alone. There are two aspects of this. We've spent a lot of time talking about our righteous record before God. And to be righteous, we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ and all he accomplished, but we also need to have our sinful record done away with. It's as if you've got a a bank account with a, uh, you've got a a problem, you've got a million dollar debt with the bank, and you need to have that debt taken care of before you can have the full extent of the riches placed into your account. That's what David says, verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Your sin is blotted out. Your sin is not counted to your record through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, look, it's there in the Old Testament. It's there in the law. It's there in the writings of David. This is not a novel approach. David's not talking about earning it. He's talking about the forgiveness of sins not counted to your account. And so I would say if you hear this message today and you have never come to that point in your life where you understand, and maybe it's happening today, you understand, I know that I have sinned. I know that before God that I'm liable to his judgment. I know I deserve it. And, And I hear this word, this wonderful word that God loves me. And that he's done everything to give me a righteous record in his sight through Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has done it for me. So transfer your trust even now from yourself and your own supposed goodness to what Jesus has done in his perfect life and his death on the cross. Now quickly, a second point here that the Apostle Paul is making is that justification is for everyone that has faith. Being counted righteous is for everyone who has faith. Not just those that have faith, the faith of Abraham, and then receive circumcision. See, that was the view, again, going back to our Jewish readers here. They they might have said, okay, Paul, I'm tracking with you. You've convinced me. I I know I'm bad. I know we're all bad. Uh, All of the human race is bad. Isn't it nice that God made some way forward uh, with Abraham, our forefather, and with all the descendants of Abraham, uh, that we should receive this righteousness credited to us. I'm so sorry that the Gentiles are out of luck, um, but, but I'm glad that we have. Paul says no. Now, why the emphasis on circumcision? This is what Paul says here in verse 9. Is, the blessed, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted 
to Abraham as righteousness. See, why circumcision? Well, here's what one biblical commentator says about the Jewish view, particularly in this day, of circumcision. The Jews put a good deal of emphasis on circumcision, that divinely ordained ceremony which formally admitted one to membership in the people of God. It was this that marked him off from other people, and this was the seal of his place before God. No matter who a man's parents were, if he was not circumcised, he was not a Jew. Okay, understand? This was the view. You might be ethnically a Jew, a descendant of Abraham, but if you, as a male, had not received circumcision, you were not considered a Jew. Conversely, you could be a Gentile, and you could profess the faith of Abraham, and you could receive circumcision and be considered a Jew. Such was the importance placed on it. It was indeed a sign. Circumcision was a sign of righteous and a seal of righteousness, right? That's what we read in our text here. The Apostle Paul is going to make the point, how was it that Abraham received this righteous credit from God? Was it on the basis of faith and circumcision? Or was it simply on the basis of his belief? 4.10, how then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Got it? Go back to the Old Testament, chapter 15. We read that Abraham was declared, counted righteous before God on the basis of his faith. Then many, many years later in chapter 17, we have recorded the uh, giving of circumcision and the commandment of circumcision. And it was indeed a privilege. It was a privilege to receive the sign of circumcision, the seal of righteousness, but it did not give Abraham righteousness. It contributed in no way because he was declared righteous prior to that. Let me say by way of... uh, Parallel uh, for those of us in the congregation today, we are a Presbyterian church, and we believe that baptism is a sign and a seal. Correct? It's a the Old Testament sign of the covenant was circumcision, and New Testament sign of the covenant was baptism. The Apostle Paul says that Abraham received that sign after faith. He received it after faith, and as a result. Paul could turn to that and say, Abraham was not justified by circumcision in any way, simply by faith. But how about Abraham's children? From that point forward, all males were to be circumcised on the eighth day as infants. Did that mean that somehow that circumcision was meant to convey that this was important for their own righteousness before God? Absolutely not. That's Paul's point nature of circumcision was that it was not used for a crediting of righteousness in any way. Similarly, baptism is not in any way something that gives us righteousness before God. I remember talking to a, a Baptist preacher. We were, uh, we were, we were fishing in uh, the last, I may have shared the story with you, I can't remember, the last 15 minutes. You know, we're out there for a couple hours 
last 15 minutes of this, uh, this time, we're going around the lake, and he says, so what do you believe about infant baptism? I'm like, really? 15 minutes to go, and you want me to explain infant baptism to you? And so I did. I explained it to him, and he said, you mean you don't believe that baptism gives babies salvation? I said, no, I don't. It's a sign and a seal, right? And we believe, just like believers in the Old Testament, that they would, show, they would give the covenant sign to their children. So that's why we do that in the Presbyterian Church today. If you have, uh, were not raised in, a, in a, a believing home, if you were not baptized as a child um, with the sign of the covenant, then as you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you need to receive that sign just as Abraham received that sign. But if not... The sign and seal still applies to you, but it is in no way a basis of you being counted right before God. There is a purpose to even the way that God worked this in the timeline uh, for the benefit. One, we see uh, that in no way, shape or form is that counted as righteousness. But the other thing here is it shows us uh, that we all, all people, Jews and Gentiles, can have the progeny of Abraham. This is about halfway through verse verse 11. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. In other words, and we'll learn more about this next week, you... Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Maybe you didn't grow up in a, uh, in a good church setting. Maybe you don't have a very noble background. Maybe um, you're not from an upright community or you don't consider yourself uh, to be very righteous. Um, your, your pedigree is not very good. It, it doesn't matter. If you have faith in Christ, you're counted as righteous and you're also heirs of Abraham. You're, in fact, you're more of an heir of Abraham than somebody who is of uh, Abraham's uh, descent um, because descent, first and foremost, according to Scripture, is a matter of faith. If you have the faith of Abraham that he had that credited him as righteousness, then you are the sons and daughters of Abraham of faith. And so you have a very distinguished progeny in Abraham. We need to be encouraged by this good word from God's word, using again the the illustration and the image of a beggar, that we are simply beggars that need the riches that Jesus Christ can provide. And we reach out in faith and by a hand of faith receive and trust in his righteous record and receive that. And so we come before God with confidence. Christ confidence, not self-confidence. And we do not boast. I end today with a song written by Isaac Watts. It's a hymn uh, with a few additional words added by Sandra McCracken. And it goes like this. No more, my God, I boast no more. Of all the duties I have done, I quit the hopes I held before to trust the merits of thy son. 
The best obedience of my hands dares not appear before thy throne, but faith can answer thy demands by pleading what the Lord has done. No more, my God. No more, my God. No more, my God. I boast no more. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would confirm these words deeply in our heart. That our tendency to want to boast in something, in anything that we could add, is foolish and dangerous. That instead, that we can take joy and confidence in Christ. That we can boast in Christ's righteousness credited to us, received as a gift by faith. I pray, Father, that you would give us that joy of knowing these truths, even if we've believed these things for decades and decades, that you would reinforce the truth of this to us, that you would give us a deeper sense of your righteousness, a deeper sense of what you've done in Christ for us, a deeper sense of your love, the wonder of being in relationship with you, and the wonder of being able to live for you, And be used by you to to bring this good news to others that need to know it as well. That people all over the world might become your sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is not uh, any effort on our own that will win uh, the day. The battle belongs to the Lord. He is able. And so we're going to sing of that reality now. Let's stand and sing. The battle belongs to the Lord.